Are you ready for the AI invasion? No, seriously, artificial intelligence will affect educators sooner or later. You might already have been affected. And so before we roll out our season 11 premiere next week, I wanted to share a conversation on the potential and the ethical implications of AI in education. My name is Tim Viegas with the Maryland Coalition for Inclusive Education, and you are listening to Think Inclusive, our podcast that aims to build bridges between families, educators, and disability justice advocates to create a shared understanding of inclusive education and what it looks like in the real world. Michael Bull is a technology coach and educator who specializes in AI and its applications in education. He has a background in technology and has been providing professional learning experiences for educators on AI. Michael and I discuss the misconceptions about AI in education and how it can be used to benefit students. He emphasizes the need for educators to understand AI and its capabilities in order to create a positive narrative around its use. Michael also explores the potential of AI in personalized learning and supporting students with disabilities. I think you are going to find this conversation very interesting. Also, make sure to listen to the end of the conversation. I'm previewing a new segment for season 11 called The Mystery Question. Don't miss it. After a short break, my interview with Michael Bull. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Michael Vol, welcome to the Think Inclusive podcast. Tim, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. We aren't doing video, but if you were to see us, Michael mm-hmm. is wearing a USC hat and I'm wearing a Dodgers hat. Yet neither of us live in California. Yeah, that is a little bit awkward, isn't it? So it almost makes it worth showing the video, but you know, I have a great face for radio, I've been told. So we'll, we'll <laughs> yeah. just leave it at that. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Michael, I, I invited you on because 
I want to talk about AI, but some people may be wondering, what's your connection to AI? Uh, well, I actually invented it. Uh, that's now actually a big secret, and so now it's out on the podcast world. Uh, no, that's surprise, not true at all, of course. Surprise, yeah. everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so my background is mostly as a nerd, and that evolved into a technology coach. And then as a technology coach, you're like, hey, you know, you get to check out all the new things that come along and actually get paid for it. And so I do professional development nowadays for teachers. And so I'm always looking for like new things to learn about. And AI just jumped right into the forefront because of so much stress and concern and worry about it, especially after COVID, that suddenly teachers are going to be less relevant than they even were then. And that's the end of the world. The kids are just going to cheat and on and on and on. And I guess all those things could be true if we're not careful. But uh, that's probably what incentivized me to check it out. I just want to be able to share it with other educators so that they can learn it, understand it, and then create and begin that narrative of how we're all going to use it. So you provide professional learning experiences for educators and AI is something that you talk about. So what are some misconceptions about AI that educators should know? Uh, gosh, that's a good question. I, th I think it's so new now that the concerns that they have might become the reality. Maybe it's going to take over the world and maybe it's going to decide that we all are going to make paper clips and it's just going to force us into uh, indentured servitude. Who knows that that, that might happen. Uh, I guess the mis misconceptions can be that students will only use it to cheat, uh, that it's going to revolutionize, revolutionize education in a negative way only. And that's where it's important now to be having these early conversations to help us understand how it works and how we can revolutionize AI to be something that's going to benefit us, that's going to be a positive to education. And you can imagine a virtual tutor that we would all have. And so a student, regardless of their ability, has this virtual tutor that's, that's helping them along, that is there by their side to assist them. So they have, if you're in a classroom of 30, you have one teacher and then 30 instructional aides right there helping. But in order to make that happen, we're going to have to create the structures and change our lessons to be able to take advantage of that. And that's where we're in this flux right now, this disruptive, potentially extremely disruptive flux, where we don't know how it's going to go. Maybe we're not clear of how to make it happen in a way that we want to. And then that's where the fear starts to take over. Plus all the mm. headlines, you know, that's the end of the world. Well, the there's one I just read yesterday about how... Uh, AI is going to be writing news for us. So yes, yeah, I read that too. I just read that. I think I just read it this morning. Yeah, like New York Times and NPR and others are are going to have it help generate news stories. And yeah. you know, I'll take my writing and I'll put it in there and I'll say improve this, and it's a lot better when it comes out. So I'm mean, yes. not a horrific writer, but I wouldn't consider myself an, an excellent one. But after you know AI, I'm pretty good. Well, yeah. So I guess we're all going to become great writers. Uh, I so I have for years since i was in even in the classroom i subscribed to this service called grammarly i'm oh, sure, sure you've yeah. heard of it mm -hmm. and um like it immediately made me a better writer it used to just do grammar now there's like these ai tools built into the um to the application so you can like write a paragraph and then highlight it and be like shorten it or improve it mm -hmm. or whatever and it's just become so mu so much easier to to write and that's something i mean that's my job like my job is communications anything that's going to help me do that better and faster i feel like is a a win Right. I mean, AI in its current form is perfect for helping those of us that kind of already learned how to write, have gone through it, you know, through college or, or even earlier than that. And we're ready just to be better at it. 
and then the, the horrifying uh, feeling or worry or concern is that what about those that are still in the process of learning? Are they just going to put it in and then that's just going to remove all the learning? And that is definitely possible today. Students can do that right away today. Yeah. So, and, and if you're a teacher who gets a lot of homework and has kids doing stuff at home and aren't creating those structures in class where they do it step by step, that's going to happen. And the incentives are huge. So, you know, if I'm a high school student and I want to get into a good university, I'm going to use those sorts of things. Those are, those are, if I want to get good grades, my incentives are to get a good grade now so I can have success later, whatever that might mean. But that's how I, I'm going to be thinking or feeling. Or if I'm busy or this or that, I'm, as a student, I have massive incentives to use AI to help me. Do you see a good parallel to AI as the calculator? Because I had a conversation recently with someone and he was saying how like the calculator was quote unquote dangerous when it first became uh, popular and people were using it so often because the idea was, well, kids aren't going to learn math. Now we have calculators on our phones, like mm -hmm. pretty much. So, or a watch. Yeah. Or, or a watch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or, or Alexa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I had a calculator watch before there was, you know, in the old, old days. Oh, right. My, yeah, exactly. My, my nerd credentials here, but it was hard to hide that from the teacher. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, is that a good comp? Uh, kind of. I mean, maybe it helps feel a little bit better, but that was an isolated incident for a specific course. And so for teachers, it wasn't super difficult to change in order to, to accommodate it. So, I mean, it, it, it's been a healthy change in that now when we talk more about the structure of math, the algorithms of math that go into it, and understanding the concept of math. And then we use those tools to assist us as we go down that path. But with AI, it kind of just does everything. Mm. It's such a wide scale with super easy access. And we're on the laptops all the time already, so it's hard to tell whether students are using AI or not. So if we follow the model we use for the calculator, sure, I think it's going to be great. But again, there's going to be a lot of disruption initially as people to start using things and the teachers have to come to understand how it all works. It's pretty easy to understand a calculator. It's not so easy just to understand AI without dump, jumping into it a bit. Well, that's, uh, that's a, a good point. So what is the best way to understand what AI can and can't do at this point? Uh, well, the first thing to do is just get an account. So you can use ChatGPT. Google has their version. Microsoft has their versions. Uh, and those are probably the main three that you would use, and they have different levels of quality in them. Mm -hmm. And then just start asking questions. So like for me, a lot of it's brainstorming. So come up with 10 names for this course. Or come up, if I'm going to interview Tim, uh, if it knows something about you, if you're, you're out on the internet a bit, say, you know, research Tim and come up with five questions that I should ask him. So in that, that way, it's going to make me a lot smarter. And those sorts of things then help me understand the ability of ChatGPT. And then it's like, well, let's see, I've got, uh, I need to do a lesson on dinosaurs. So give me a lesson for a second grader on dinosaurs and it'll bring all that up. But oh, make sure you incorporate basketball into it because we're doing a basketball unit. Or in sort of the reverse of that is, let's say I'm a PE teacher and I want to have a cool game uh, that involves dinosaurs because I know the second grade teacher is teaching that. It'll come up with a bunch of great ideas for it. And if I don't like those ideas, I'll just say, hey, come up with 10 more. And I'll just keep generating more and more ideas. And as you start to get, get into it and start to use it more, you start to realize that the power that it has. And you, you just have to think of it as like, what am I doing today right now? Okay, maybe I can get uh, AI to help me with that. And often that answer is yet. Yeah. And often the responses are quite delightful. So in, in, 
and perhaps maybe the biggest beneficiaries of this are going to be elementary school teachers where students aren't so much on their laptops and don't really have a reason to use AI. They're going to use it to be super creative in everything that they do. What about things that, have you run up into things like that maybe um, AI can't do right now? That maybe people think that it can do? I don't know if that question makes sense. It, do, it does. Uh, so one of the issues with AI, because it's generative AI, it, it meaning it doesn't just go out and research the internet and produce the result. It generates content based on these massive algorithms that help it understand how humans work and how human language works. So it doesn't really know what it's saying, as far as we know. But, <laughs> so <laughs> maybe it does. It's just fully us. <laughs> I'm not sure yet. So if it do, it'll just start making stuff up if it doesn't have a reference point from which it started the beginning giving to the answer. So there's that concern when you start asking it factual questions, you then have to fact check it, which is a huge pain. When you ask it creative questions, like come up with this lesson plan, then you're like, yes, I like that creative idea or I don't. So on the factual side, it's it, you definitely are going hit to a, hit a wall there. And also if you're ready to generate images, it's really not that good at it. Generating music, eh, it's okay. But these are all things that are going to get a lot better over time. Right, right. There's huge yeah. incentives to produce something that will. Are you familiar with the, um, there is these AI, uh, generated videos. I forget the name of the, the, it was on YouTube and TikTok and all that. Um, mm -hmm. these star, the, the, like a star Wars movie or Lord of the Rings made in the style of a Wes Anderson film. Did you ever see okay. those? No, but I can imagine. Oh gosh. Oh, yeah. How was it? Um, uh, Fantastic. And in fact, since we're talking about it, I'll, I'll go, we'll go ahead and put it some links in, into the notes. Um, but, um, I love, uh, a good Wes Anderson film. And mm -hmm. so, and I also happen to love star Wars. So when that first one came out, I was like, Oh my gosh, how did, how did they do this? And then I realized, Oh, it was AI. Now mm -hmm. I couldn't tell you how that works, but I know that it does. I feel like we're relatively, at the beginning of this whole thing. So I, I can, I can't imagine what it's going to look like in even, you know, one or two years, let alone right. 10 years. I think, you know, just on the movie aspect. So I used to teach a film class that I'll be able to tell is say I movie, make this film look like a Wes Anderson film. And it would do all the cuts and the music and whatever to look like that film. And then I guess as a director and artist, I can decide whether I like that or not. And, or I can decide which artist I want it to represent. So when you think about it, editing that's going to come along as an right. editor or a director, I'm going to have that, those options to just instantly convert something to see what I like. And then maybe I can use that to, with more for my own creative endeavors. Yeah. So those, those things are, yeah, definitely happy. And then you, you hear about things where you can, you'll star in the movie. So it'll oh, take gosh, a likeness yeah. of you and, and put you as one of the characters in the back <laughs> or, or something like that. In fact, I was listening just before I came on today, I was listening to a podcast called Hard Fork. It's great for a lot of AI stuff there from the New York Times. And they were talking about a Netflix show that does a uh, deep fake. And so it's one of those reality shows where they go in and then they watch their spouse cheating. And it's actually a deep fake of them cheating. Oh my but they're not gosh. told about this in advance, so they can get all the reactions and all that. So I think you know what a horrifying idea for a show, but that is and, and it's that's just like a Black Mirror episode, is what it is. Yeah, in fact, Black Mirror is probably one of the best ways to understand AI. <laughs> to watch a lot of those shows. Oh gosh, yeah. Oh yeah. I think one of the one of the things that jumps out at me when I'm thinking about how people use AI and especially about how I use it is 
I think there's a misconception that uh, you can just ask it a question or ask it to generate something, uh, especially for an assignment or for, you know, even for your job. And then you copy and you paste and that's it. Like I'm done. Right. Like it just took 10 seconds. But uh, since I've been interacting with AI, a number of different tools, um, I've really not done that with hardly anything except it's just more of like a first draft. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so like what you were saying, you, you know, uh, create 10 titles, you know, for this course or 10 titles for this blog article I'm writing or um, help me summarize the contents of this uh, podcast interview. And then you take that draft and like the director that creates the AI movie, they decide what they want to keep and what they don't want to keep. Sure. Right. In addition to that, there's all, all the prompt in- engineering around it. So if mm. you get that first result, you're like, eh, it's too long. So you tell it to make it, because it, it understands what it just wrote. So make it shorter, make it punchier, make it happier, make it sadder. Uh, one of the examples I use for a good prompt specifically is, let's say there's the Common App for people who are going to college, you have to write that essay. And I, you just write out, answer the Common App question. I didn't even know what it was, but ChatGPT does. And reference Elmo in it. Make sure you mention that I was captain of the volleyball team, that I did a, worked with a lot of individuals with uh, diverse needs, and that I worked at an ice cream shop with individuals like that. And uh, I have a massive doll collection. And so it'll, it'll intertwine all that into a pretty good essay that pops out. Now, that's just Chat 3.5. If you want to use Chat GPT 4.0, which you have to pay 20 bucks a month for, it's going to be even better. And then from there, you're like, wow, this is a pretty good essay. Now I'll just modify it. So that's right. using that, you know, using the prompt to get the better answer out the gate or just to encourage it as you go along at the end after you see it to make it better. So is that cheating, Michael? Uh, I think it's cheating if you don't, if you don't cite it. So if, if let's say for instance, uh, I'm going to take your example, you're writing uh, a college essay, right? Yeah. Especially the one I gave where it kicks out a good one in the first place. Exactly. Exactly. You, in it, you get, you get a pretty good first draft, but you modify it and Mm -hmm. you're like, okay, I wouldn't use that word. I would use this word. I'm going to add maybe another sentence or two, uh, but it, I'm pretty much going to use, you know, 80, 75, 80% of, of what it spit out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I load it in the common app and I hit submit, but I do not say that um, it was created by ChatGPT or Bard or, you know, Bing or whatever. So how do we feel about that? Is that that's that seems like an ethical thing? No, I I think we can sort of rephrase or reframe the question. What if Tim, I asked you, hey, write me an essay, and here's the prompt I want, and here's the sort of things I want you to include, and you wrote it, and you gave it to me, and then I modified it, but kept seventy to eighty percent. Would would I be a misrepresentation of my writing? I think the answer is yes, because basically Tim wrote it, I modified it, but it's not something that I could have written at that level on my own. So it doesn't represent who I am as a student and my potential, at least as an essay writer. So, but the, back to incentives, the incentive is massive for me to turn in the best essay possible because I want to get into whatever that university is and I want to get the scholarship or that scholarship. So that's where, because the incentive is so high to misrepresent yourself, you, we're going to have to change the, the structures 
you're probably just gonna have to get rid of the essays because I'm sure all those people reading it now, if they see a good one, they doubt whether it's legitimate or not. There's always gonna be that nagging feeling. And like, I hate reading stuff that I know is from ChatGPT. And I'm just like, I don't like it now. Because before I was getting to know somebody, now I'm just like reading words on a page. So yes, I do think it's it, it, there's a serious ethical issue there. And I don't think we're gonna get rid of that if again, if we have the incentives that want force us in some way students to cheat. I can say, hey, be a better person or and not get into, I'll say USC instead of UCLA, or be a not as good a person and get into USC. Like, where, what are they going to decide? <laughs> They're going to say, I'm going to do it. Right, right. So do you think this is, this is kind of like the major problem that we're going to have with, with AI? You know, just like, yeah. how do we, how do we cite this? Um, you know, is it, is it ethical to use it you know, and, and say that we wrote it. I mean, I wrote the prompt, you know what I mean? So right. I don't but know. It's not ethical to, to use it, but students are going to use it. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's, it's ethical as long as you cite it, but you can't cite a, a, a friend or AI for your essay. It has to be your own original work. So how do we then create classroom situations where students are assisted as they go rather than told, go write this? in the end. Mm. I, mean, I know they're assisted along the way, but ultimately, unless it's broken down into pieces that are checked along the way, or, it's, or we just maybe get rid of homework, you're going to get a lot of this. And that's not going to change. You can give them the long moral, lecture, moral lectures that you want, and that'll help somewhat. So sure, let's do that. It's, that's healthy for society to, to, frame or to, to, to frame or put guardrails on what's appropriate and inappropriate behavior. That's what we're supposed to do as teachers. But and if if they again back, I keep saying incentives again, but again, if they, if the benefit of it far outweighs the moral bad feelings they have, they'll do it. That's just mm. human nature. Um, as far as how we can use AI to support learners with disabilities, or have you put much thought into how AI could support those particular learners? Yeah. So I mean, I, I want I'm. Preparing to develop a course specifically using, under, you know, UDL model for helping mm-hmm. students all across the board. Currently, you can take your writing and you can put it in and ask AI specifically to look for what sort of voice comes through here, or look for grammatical mistakes, or give me suggestions for sentence structure improvements. And so that'll help everybody, regardless. Those are the things that are possible now, but you kind of have to do it on your own. Now, there are companies that are starting to come out with things that'll structure that a little bit better for you. And so essentially the app will do the prompt engineering for you. So you don't have to think about what to ask. Uh, Conmigo is coming out from Salcon, from Khan Academy. And that the idea behind that is that it's a tutor along the way with you. So as you're struggling, it just pushes you and asks you questions and you ask questions back and it helps you. And then you spit out your final product, but you've been assisted along the way. And then the instructor knows that you went through there and that that app is designed to help you. And it isn't really designed to help you cheat. It's designed to help you do better. And then whatever work result comes out is the work that's it's your own work with help. You know, incredible help sitting right next to you again. Back to that example. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think that's what's going to happen. I want to research this more specifically, like different use cases across different types of learners. But the potential there is just massive. Yeah, I, I like how you frame that because, um, number one, we have to change what kinds of things we're expecting our learners to do. Like if it's write a 500-word essay on the topic of, the civil war and that's all the instructions they're given that that could be a problem but if you are 
already expecting some baked in help, whether it's through AI or something else, then that seems like it's a, a, a more uh, more helpful assignment. And, and then AI will help figure out where the student is. So if I have 30 students in the classroom with different learning needs. I probably don't know specifically what the different learning needs are for all those students. If it's a math class, and let's say it's one that needs more support, I know I have much students who need more support in math, but I don't really know this kid needs here with addition, this one's subtraction, and so I can't modify and, and get real granular as far as what their needs are. And AI will, can do that and will be much better at doing that in the future. Yeah, uh, and and the the second thing I wanted to say was, you mentioned, is it Conmigo? Did I say yeah. that right? The more... I, I'm imagining that uh, this particular, I'm not sure what you call it, program assistance, something like sure. that. Um, and then you have, you're, you're going to have additional ones to choose from um, that could potentially bring the this idea of personalized learning a little bit further into mainstream of education. Which we've talked about personalized learning. I think we all agree it's great, but it's almost impossible to scale. We can't just yell at the teacher and say, you need to work harder and smarter and make it happen. This could be the, potentially the way to, yes, make it happen at scale where you push a button that says, go out and assess these students and figure out where they're at and help them along the way. And then you just are monitoring and managing all of that and figuring out what's working and what's not working. And then you know to have like a dashboard of knowing where all my students are and what their ability levels are at. And then I can create fun games for the whole class to go that might benefit 10 students specifically that, you know, because I do it in the form of a song and I know those 10 are going to benefit and the other 20 are like, this is fun, we're singing, you know. So I'm creating community at the same time. There's all these things that can happen. Once I had that data and that information, and I think that's exciting, those possibilities for teachers. How fun would that be to know how your students all learn and then to be able to come up with a bunch of creative ideas to help them? That would right. be very satisfying. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. So something came to mind when you were talking about the like personalized learning and this program or application, knowing the students enough to offer suggestions either to the teacher or to the student that's already happening right now with the data we give to social media companies. I was just thinking about that. It's a different application, but I'm scrolling through Facebook or Instagram mm -hmm. and I get ads for mm -hmm. audio and video editing software or like musical instruments or it's like it, it I knows I keep getting ads on how to be a better husband. That's <laughs> like my wife Lori has been on there or something, but yeah. Um, and uh, I've, uh, I don't remember, I think it was just a meta thing. I remember taking a survey and it was like asking me, 
if I like to personalize ads or not. And I, I have this like really mixed um, reaction to it because on one hand, I actually like that. Oh, I'm I'm I I get I get to see ads for audio equipment instead mm-hmm. of seeing ads for like something I don't want. But on the other hand, I'm like I don't really like that it knows me. You know what I so, mean? So I mean, it's it's saying, look, we're going to collect all this data on you, and we're going to know you no matter what. By the way, do you want personalized ads that kind of demonstrate that we know you, or do you just want us to not really let you know that we really know you, and we'll be more subtle? <laughs> so you might as well say yes, because it's not like they're going to turn the switch off. They're just going to modify what that you see. That is true. Make you yeah. comfortable? Where I might have said yes, and I get the I get all the ads that I want. Anyways, so yeah, but, I mean, but they're they're. Their goals are to make money and to compete for your attention and get you addicted to screen time and to constantly mm. be picking up your device. That's, that's their whole goal and incentives behind everything they do. And that's why Outrage, for example, just releases like cortisol into your system when you see it that keeps you on those things. But hopefully as educators, that's not our, op- our goal. Our goal is to make you the best person you can be and be the most effective learner that you can be wherever you are at. And so we have a much more noble goal. But so collecting that same data in a large aggregate scale and then be able to scale it to multiple, let's say a middle school, where I can scale that across five or six different teachers, like that is awesome. That is awesome. That is awesome. Instead of serving up ads, I serve up useful uh, things for them to learn. Do you see a time in the future where educators could based on their student profiles, be able to um, schedule out like a whole year's worth of lessons or curriculum? Uh, Hopefully not. Because even if I've been with a student for a month, I don't really know what they're going to be like in six months. Hmm. So I think I would have goals of where I want students to get to based Mm -hmm. on whatever their abilities are, whatever their grade level is. And then artificial intelligence is going to help prompt along the way to get to that. It's going to assist along the way to get to that point. So let's say music class, for example. So um, maybe I'm terrible at eighth notes. And so AI can listen to my plane and then produce uh, exercises for me to help me along the way until it gets better. And then I'll move on to something else. And because it's AI, it's pretty creative. It can maybe use songs that are fun for me. So I'm going to learn things in a way that I enjoy, but at the same time, I'm picking up these skills that I needed. And so that's so much better than a band teacher who has 150 students in front of them doing the same sort of music for everybody, probably getting a lot of people, maybe 50, 60% of the class, but you still have that other 40% that needs more specific help. And there's just, they can't scale that. But AI can. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to change how um, schools are run because mm-hmm. I'm thinking about the reason I asked about the planning a whole year is we're, we're recording this in the, the summer of 2023, but you, you're, you have educators at home or in pre-planning and they're scheduling out their year. Okay. It's September and we're going to be talking about this and it's October. And we're going to be talking about this. They right. may not have all of the everything planned down to the minute, but there's basic structures but what I'm hearing you say is that maybe we won't need to do that. Maybe it'll be more responsive to the needs of the students. I think it can be. The question is whether we do that. So if I'm a math student and we're learning about quadratic equations and we learn on that, learn about that just for April and it comes May and I'm like, I still haven't learned it. Oh, tough luck. On, on we go to the next thing. <laughs> You're just going to have to right, fall right. behind. Or you got to work harder or let's get you six more tutors at home and add to the stress levels you already have. So 
if we can, as educators, and not maybe individually, but as a system, understand that if we were to leverage something like this, then we can individualize back to that personal learning uh, so that we could create mastery, you know, the goal of, of actually mastery of learning something. And then students might be, this is stuff that Khan Academy has learned, that students might not be so great at a certain thing like quadratic equations, but they might be much faster somewhere else and they can catch back up. So sometimes you just need more time in one area and less time in another. So instead of wasting time, because look, I get it, can I just move on? I just got to hang with the whole class. And so I think we have to, we're going to have to divorce ourselves essentially with that whole idea of we do a certain thing in April, a certain thing in May. And we could do it by topic. Sure. Like we're going to cover the civil war during May and then we do whatever sort of learning we want. But AI could help us if we were learning euphemisms or some sort of writing conventions, you know, the month before when we were studying this, uh, say the revolutionary war, why can't we just carry that on into the civil war? But yeah. not everything can be individual all the time. We also have to come together as groups and do things. And we don't want kids just sitting at their screen with the AI nagging them all the time on how to do something. We want to you know, work cohesively as a group as well and understand our role in society. So, Yeah. It's going to be a big disruption. Like We won't get it right in the beginning for sure. We're going to make a lot of mistakes if we can just look at it that way. Like, hey, we're going to do it. We're going to get, I would like to say, a minimum viable product that's good enough with the assumption that it's not go actually going to be good enough and that as people use it, we're going to learn and we're going to, we're going to change it and improve it along the way. But you can get backlashes from that because people get a lot of fear from that and they'll say, I just want to go back to basics, which is something I understood. But it's kind of like, can't we just turn the internet off? Uh, okay. <laughs> no, you can't because as soon as they leave. <laughs> no. gonna, same with blocking AI to school. Sure, go ahead and block it. Students will get around it. Maybe not at school, but they'll do it at home when they have no guidance. Oh, so, uh, gosh. So I subscribe to Education Week, and I'm going to show you this headline. I'm going to have to describe it. So do you see this? It's uh, the, the AI, AI invasion. invasion. Yeah. There you go. Clickbait right there. <laughs> On actual paper. On actual it made you want to read it. <laughs> You know, I could use ChatGPT right now and come up with at least 15 better uh, title ideas than that one. I can't believe they didn't. Or if they, that's the best one they came up with, forget it. I don't know. Yeah, um, I haven't read the article yet. So it, the AI invasion, schools weigh benefits and drawbacks of artificial intelligence. Yeah. Um, just talk about fears. On, on, you know, I'm the, sure. Half people are excited, half are afraid. And then yeah. give a, a quick summary in the end about what we should do. Right, right. I, you know, maybe AI wrote it. You never know. Probably. Maybe <laughs> AI is generating that paper now. Sorry to disparage <laughs> the, uh, the journalists at Education Week. but um. <laughs> It's not so much that they would use it so much. It's that later they may not, they're afraid that some AI is going to write it instead and not need them. And, right. and they say with AI, like there's going to be teachers or lawyers who use AI and there's going to be teachers who, and lawyers who don't use AI and they're all going to be unemployed. We've talked a lot about benefits and the challenges of AI and how AI can be useful to learners with disabilities or all learners. You know, we have a lot of educators that listen. What's a big takeaway that you'd want for them as they listen to this conversation? I think when you look at AI, the, the best thing you can do is to learn it and start using it. Then find a cohort of people who are in the same situation and are the type of people that look, let's create ways to use this to benefit us. Let's help create that narrative and help education move along and use it in a positive and beneficial way. But let's know that in the beginning, we're going to be terrible at it and it's going to do things we don't want it to do and kids are going to use it in ways we don't want them to use it. So we just have to be ready for that and be prepared for that and see that as normal and then we're going to adjust as we go forward. And if we don't have that sort of open-minded concept or, or philosophy that 
in our mind as we do it, then we're going to maybe succumb to fears and try and stop and block things. And then it's going to move forward without our guidance. So let's guide it rather than letting it go on its own. Yeah, the having an open mind, I think, is so important because the things that we fear and the things that we try to stop just end up having a life of their own. Yeah. It's kind of like the, if there's a flood coming slowly, slowly, it's like, well, maybe we ought to build a boat or do something to help our students by uh, raising the height of the school or whatever. But it's a slow trickle in and you're like, but that's going to change how I teach. And that's going to change how I do my classroom. Yes. Yes, it is. But that water's still coming. So what are you going to do? You can, you can resist it and be fearful of it for a while. Ignore it. But at the end, it's going to get you. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Right. This has been a really fascinating conversation, Michael. I do have one more question for you if you're up for it. So uh, this season of Think Inclusive, I've been doing something called a mystery question. Are you up for a mystery question? Oh, of course. I can't say no. Yeah, because if you... Yeah, I don't want to be no one's, guest. No one said no yet, Michael. <laughs> oh, then maybe I should just so I'll be... Let me get a chat GPT open here. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so I have a stack of cards here, and uh-huh. um, they're all prompt cards, and I'm going to uh, select a card, and we'll both answer the question. Okay. Okay, so here we go. The question for today is well, I don't know if I like this question but would, <laughs> that's a good setup but then, uh, would you accept a fatal mission in exchange for a lifetime support 
for your family? This is awful. <laughs> this is an awful question. This is the worst question I've had so far. So, Michael, congratulations. You're welcome. Uh, you- no, I wouldn't because I'm hopeful, maybe arrogant enough to think that I can help my family survive and do well going into the future. So I don't need to kill myself to do it. Yeah, yeah. I don't like this question. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I would not accept a fatal mission in exchange for a lifetime of support. So there you go. All of you, um, um, you kidnappers out there, don't even try it, okay? <laughs> That's Don't right. even try it. <laughs> Man, that was awful. I don't like that one at all. <laughs> I'd have to go through them next time. I know, I know. Well, you know, I, I was going to chat GP to get it, but I did, couldn't log in in time. So I wonder what it would have said. <laughs> it wouldn't have been, it probably that wouldn't it wouldn't have given a very creative answer for that one, unfortunately. No. Well, I wonder if. Uh, let me see if I, I'm going to pull up chat chat GPT right now, and then I'm going to say um, uh, write a random. I don't know if I, I, I'm not very good at prompt engineering. So write a On question, the fly, yeah. write a question to ask my podcast guest. Um, let's see what it comes up with. Uh, what has been the most profound or transform transformative moment in your life? And how did it shape the person you are today? That's uh, what chat GPT said. That's a good one. So I, I have a son, my wife and I have a son with profound autism. So that is probably been the biggest change in our lives, I would think. So it's caused us or benefited us to change how we learn our lifestyle and how we help both him and his sister to go forward in life and keep ourselves sane as well. So I think it caused me to be, or us as a family, to be more creative than perhaps we would have intended to be. So I think if I hadn't had him, maybe I'd just be bored to death. But now you're not. (laughs) That's You're right. not I'm always entertained. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, in um, as far as my career goes, you know, I wanted to be a a therapist, like a counselor, hmm. a family counselor. I went to school to be a um, um, in I uh, got my degree in psychology, and I was planning on you know getting my master's and everything. And out of college, I ended up becoming a behavior therapist for young children with autism. So, okay. you know, three, four and five-year-olds um, had no idea what autism was, no clue, you know, just completely oblivious. And I was like, this seems like a fun job. And I ended up uh, working with these families and these, in these children. And I was like, I love working oh, um, cool. with kids and I love working with families. And that is what, um, just pushed me over into education because again, I had no, no desire to be a teacher. Didn't realize I wanted to be a teacher or anything like mm-hmm. that. So, uh, just having that exposure uh, and working with um, children on the spectrum, it was just it was it was transformative. So, um, so yeah, that's mine. Well, thank you, thank you for making those choices and continuing to do this work to benefit the community. Yeah, of course, we need, we need you. We need you. <laughs> It's my pleasure, uh, and it, it was my pleasure to have uh, Michael Bull on the Think Inclusive podcast. We appreciate it. Thank you, Tim. Thanks for listening to this preseason bonus episode. I've dropped some links to specific things Michael and I talked about in our conversation. 
can't get enough of Think Inclusive, become a patron and find out what you've been missing on patreon.com slash thinkinclusivepodcast. Finally, follow us on the socials. And if you follow us on threads, I'm going to post some dad jokes written by AI. Let me know what you think of them. Find us on the web at thinkinclusive.us. And if you want more information about inclusive education or how MCIE can partner with you in your school or district, go to mcie.org slash contact. We'll be back next week with our season 11 premiere. Enjoy the rest of your week. And remember, inclusion always works. Yeah, yeah.